lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings. Twice now, COVID recovered. Am I? Hope you had a great weekend. I bring you glad tidings of great joy. If you have not had Omicron, visit your home. It will. Now, the good news is it's about 90% less lethal than the previous variant, Delta. The bad news is pretty much everybody's getting this or exposed to it. Everybody in our house got it. I know all kinds of people who everybody in their house has got it. Erzin was traveling. It'll be just a matter of time before he comes in here and says, yeah, we got it too. Everybody, everybody I know is sick with something right now. And the symptoms usually line up with Omicron, but not once, but twice now. We have recovered from COVID and it hasn't so far cost us a day of work. We'll see what happens the third time around if there is one. My name is Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Very good weekend. Your, your family trip was a productive one? Yeah, Arkansas just keeps shining. You know, I've been there four times now, and I need to build up that ability to be comfortable there so I can drop her off here in about six months. And it's going to be rough, but I, I feel good that that's a place I can do it in. People got a big kick out of the fact that after being off of work for three and a half weeks, you then turn around and ask for a day off. People got a big kick out of that. Well, I got the kind of boss that I can do that, so it's a, it's a good gig. You mean he's not the devil? He is not. He's not all not. the time. You'll not like this story, though. Yeah. In the first race my daughter's racing, uh, her soccer coach uh, came to watch her, and he goes, do you have a podcast? He and said, okay, here we go. Yeah. And it's like, is it really conservative? Uh, yeah. I said, well, I got this really conservative friend, and he comes up to me, and he says, hey, you going to go watch Ainsley run this weekend? He's like, how the heck do you know about Ainsley? And he says, oh, yeah. we're watchers of the show. And then five minutes later while we're talking, a woman from the stands comes down in front of them and says, oh, we just love your show so much. Thank you so much. So kind of <laughs> blew their mind. For, for Our kids learn at a very young age, when someone they don't know pronounces their last name correctly, things are going to get either really, yes. really awkwardly bad or cringe-inducing good. As far as I know, okay. she still has a scholarship. Yes. All right. Aaron, good weekend over at the McIntyre household. Yeah. Didn't really get out that much. Um, just kind of surveyed the desolation for the most part. Boy, and there is uh, there is desolation. Uh, well over a foot of snow here uh, in the Midwest. Looked up home prices in Lakeland, Florida. Yeah, I don't, know, things I, like I, that. I just don't know how many more of these winners I've got in me, man. I just don't. I mean, just don't. <laughs> If, if this if 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 we weren't freer than Texas, I probably would have forced that move on the family by now. But we are freer than Texas, so I have not. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A. You can also, D-E-A-C-E. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, at least for now. And then look at places that... Don't look to censor us when you go to MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Look for Steve Dace there. Follow me on Getter at Steve Dace Show. And today, for the first time, we're letting our Getter following take full control of a Ask Me Anything Monday Town Hall next hour. And I, you know, I don't look at the question, so I don't know what we have, but I did look at the volume of replies 
and it was quite a bit. So there was we got a, we got quite a bit of reaction over there on Getter. So uh, look forward to seeing those questions a little bit later on. Bob Vanderplatz will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour, and he wants to talk about. When I talk about revival or bust, what does that mean and how do we get there? So we'll do that at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, of course, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the FBI. On Saturday, 44-year-old radical jihadist Malik Faisal Akram, a British citizen, took multiple people hostage inside a Jewish synagogue in Houston in an attempt to free another radical jihadist, Afia Siddiqui, from prison. A local SWAT team, with the help of the FBI, eventually shot and killed Akram, freeing his hostages in the process. The FBI originally said they had absolutely no clue about the motive of the radical jihadi. Uh, we, we, we do believe from our engagement with this subject that he was singularly focused on one issue uh, and it was not specifically related to the Jewish community. Joe Biden also said it was totally unclear what the radical jihadist's motive was. I, I don't think there is sufficient information to know about uh, why he targeted that synagogue, why he insisted on the release of someone who's been in prison for over uh, 10 years, why he was engaged, why he was uh, using anti-Semitic uh, and anti-Israeli comments. Uh, I, 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 we just don't have enough facts. After a full weekend of being panned by everybody and their mother's dog for the most part, the FBI was forced late last night to admit the investigation is indeed terrorism-related. Moving on, it was a good first weekend for Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin. After being sworn in on Saturday, he signed nearly a dozen executive actions, including rescinding the state's vaccine mandate for state employees, rescinding the mask mandate for children in school, ending critical racist theory in schools, and other measures. In addition, the state's new attorney general fired the entire woke social justice division in the attorney general's office and announced he's planning on prosecuting criminal cases in jurisdictions with left-wing district attorneys. New record show the federal government's highest paid employee, one Dr. Anthony Fauci, also had $10.4 million worth of investments at the end of 2020, which is good because the team of lawyers he's going to eventually need surely won't be cheap. According to the Washington Free Beacon, one of the country's largest hospital systems, SSM Health, which operates in Missouri, Oklahoma, Illinois, and Wisconsin, weighted all patients' race more than diabetes, obesity, asthma, and hypertension in its allocation scheme for COVID treatments. The hospital system has now revised its policy after threats of legal action. The CDC is now officially advising against cloth masks in favor of N95 respirators. Those won't work either, but here we are. A FEMA official was asked late last week about a proposal to send N95 masks out to all Americans. So what's the point of now sending N95 or KN95 masks out to Americans if a lot of those masks are just single daily use? Like somebody wears it once, then what? Uh, masks save lives, um, I think, is the important thing here. Street art posters popped up overnight late last week in Washington, D.C. Among the dystopia-styled posters is a picture of Joe Biden with the words, Good kids are compliant kids. Another poster depicts Fauci in priest's robes holding a needle with the words, Trust the scientism. Australia deported tennis superstar Novak Djokovic ahead of the Australian Open. This comes after a protracted legal battle over the player's unvaccinated status, even though he cleared all protocols. 
National Review's Kevin Williamson. If Novak Djokovic won't play by Australia's rules, then he shouldn't be allowed to play at all. A new Rasmussen poll finds 59% of Democratic voters in the country favor a government policy that would require unvaccinated Americans to be placed on house arrest. 48% of Democratic voters favor imprisonment for the unvaccinated. In addition, the editorial board of the Salt Lake City Tribune is calling on the state's National Guard to be called up to block the unvaccinated from moving about freely in that state. Remember last week when we told you about the nearly 300 signers of a letter that called podcast superstar Joe Rogan a menace to public health because of his programs on coronavirus and how I said the signers were so-called health professionals? Well, it turns out only around 100 of the 270 signatories on the letter are people with qualified medical degrees. Jonathan Swan at Axios is reporting his sources are telling him Donald Trump is ragging on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in private conversations, calling him a, quote, dull personality. Speaking of Trump, he held a rally in Arizona over the weekend. They're just running roughshod all over this country, and they're truly hurting the American people like they, I don't think they've taken away their liberties. What they're doing is incredible. They've taken away their dignity. They've taken away their liberties. And I say enough is enough, and we are not going to take it anymore. Because our country is going to hell. It's a disaster, and it all happened in such a short period of time. China's economy grew by over 8% in 2021. That's the fastest rate in nearly a decade. It's China, so who knows if that's true, but it's totally believable nonetheless. And finally, this from the Babylon Bee. SCOTUS rules healthcare workers are the only people who can't make decisions about their own health. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com. You know, trying to sell your home in any era can be a challenging exercise, but especially in these unprecedented times, Ding. you need to know that you are going in with an agent who has your back, has a fully vetted, confirmed track record of success, and will come in and take charge of your situation while also remembering that you're the one in charge. Where would such an ideal agent be found. Well, the name kind of says it all. Head to this website right now, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Company started by Glenn Beck and his associates because they ran into agents they found out too late they couldn't trust. So they didn't want that to happen to you. So head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. I should also mention next hour on the show, before we get to our Ask Me Anything, we are going to get an update on the lawsuit involving a good friend of mine, uh, former Marine. Actually, he's going to he's going to correct me. There's no such thing as a former Marine. Retired Marine, former U.S. Senate candidate Bill Salier. Uh, last fall, you guys joined with us in funding a lawsuit against Walmart, a federal lawsuit against Walmart, who refused to fill his prescriptions for early COVID treatment, including ivermectin. That lawsuit has now been filed. It's on. And we will give you an update on that. And now our friends at We the Patriots USA are expanding to take on Wokistan as well. And so we'll talk to them about that before we get to our Ask Me Anything. And that is coming up in the next hour. In our overtime today, and is I don't get it. So maybe I'm doing something wrong. The amount of you who are Blaze TV subscribers who tell me you cannot access the overtime. I just go to blazetv.com slash dace and it's up there. Am I missing something? Aaron, is there 
something else there? I mean, I, I don't know. I just type in blazetv.com slash Dace and it's there. A lot of folks anticipate uh, the overtime when we say we're taping it right after the show, even though we say taping it, taping it right after the show, that it's going to be live for Blaze TV. So, so, no, it's not live. It's all on demand. We tape it and we get it up as soon as we possibly can. Yeah, it can. can't be live. That's why there's no live feed. That's why it's not on your app live. It's why we don't have a three-hour show. We, we chose to do this instead to give you more content because there's other programming. Uh, that comes on after this other uh, programming, <laughs> after us, okay? So, uh, blazetv.com slash Dace. We will record today's overtime for you right after today's show. Then it will be uplaid- uploaded for you where you can watch it later today if you're a subscriber at blazetv.com slash Dace. <clears throat> Pardon me. If you're not yet a subscriber to Blaze TV, that's also where you can go to become one at blazetv.com slash Dace. And in today's overtime, We're going to get into that Rasmussen poll because I think there is a larger story there. Um, And for those of you that don't know, Rasmussen was the second most accurate pollster in the 2016 election. And according to my records, it was the third most accurate pollster in the 2020 election. So, I mean, this this is a firm, even though it's been panned, has a track record that others that are more mainstream, do not. That's why I think we should take these numbers very seriously. And it goes beyond COVID. I will, I will discuss this with Todd and Aaron uh, later today in the overtime. Let's get to the montage. And I mean, there, there are, there's at least a half dozen whole shows yep. in this montage. I mean, there, there, there is at least. Let, let's, sh- let's start with something good, shall we? Glenn Youngkin's opening weekend as governor of Virginia was absolutely dynamite. And I think you guys know I pass on compliments to politicians on this show. Whatever is worse than begrudgingly, that's pretty much where I'm at. Fair? Well, there's nothing to compliment. (laughs) Well, there you go. But his opening weekend here was pretty dynamite in terms of setting the tone. And And really his entire administration, and I... I got to tell you, man, when the guy with pronouns in his name gets picked to be the communications director a few weeks ago, remember that story or yep. a couple months ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was not a good first start, right? That was not a good first step. But yesterday, in terms of sending a message, there is a new sheriff in town. That, that could not have gone much better. And so we get so few opportunities, except with like the same... Ha- handful of names over and over again, we get so few opportunities to start with something positive and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I just thought we should start with that. You guys want to add to that at all? I would just say I love, I remember when Trump uh, was uh, one and on the way to becoming, um, you know, waiting to, to become president, we talked about uh, he, he needing to fight on multiple fronts. And this is what I like about this the most the democrats just throw everything against the wall on multiple fronts and we are always panicked by that we like to pick one thing and like manage the hell out of it this is like nope we're playing with live ammo now and he's he put threw it out there on the mask front uh uh, on the um and obviously on the crt front and he says no we are putting the pedal to the metal i love it that's been a lot of what desantis's strategy has been as opposed to, you know, what Scott Walker did in Wisconsin, just fixating on the unions. Exactly. And he won that fight, but then pretty much lost on everything else. Um, what, what these guys are figuring out is, 
why don't we just blitzkrieg them on yep. simultaneously on multiple issues? So I think that's a good point. Aaron, you want to add to that before we move on? No, I, I would just say in the attorney general, um, the actions that he's taking for, for the love of God, can we please have more of that? Firing people. Yes. I, I want more of that. Purge these leftists out of any, even if they're a dog catcher, purge them out of any form of, I'm not even saying power, of presence in this government, in any government. Purge them, then follow them out, salt the ground upon which they trod, and then salt it again. Get them out of everywhere. And yes, I said that correctly. I don't want them not even in a position of power. I don't want them to even have a presence in any government. Get them out of here. And I think that's a good first step. Agreed. What the uh, AG did. Well said. Something tells me that if a Jewish man had walked into a mosque and taken hostages, we would not have originally been told afterwards that really, I mean, um, there there wasn't any issues specific to the Islamic community driving this. In fact, he wished everybody a happy Ramadan. Um, this is your FBI who takes time out from ignoring Larry Nasser, the worst sexual predator in American history. How many other known wolf shooters, right? Orlando nightclub, right on. I mean, we could go right on down the line. How many of them did, did they ignore? The, um, uh, the, the Florida school shooter on down the line. Still doesn't have a motive for the worst mass shooting in all of American history in Las Vegas, one of the most surveilled cities in the country. Uh, but, but did take uh, a dozen agents and send them to investigate a rope at a NASCAR garage. This is a beyond corrupted institution. And as much as I want to believe that our collective pushback on the silliness of this yesterday, that this had nothing to do with anti-Semitism, I don't believe it. I, I want to be wrong about this. I want Aaron and what he put in his montage to be correct. I think this institution doesn't care what we think, and that's why you should be very afraid of a fully politicized weapon like the FBI, just I, fully I utilized just, for the for the for the spirit of the age. Just for the record, I don't think they changed because we were calling them out. I think they changed because it was inconvenient politically for the people who run that organization. I think England's intelligence is why they changed, because British intelligence had simultaneous arrests and investigation into this with the link links last yesterday. And they immediately, imme- what's, what, it's, it, the, the, the political situation in the UK is fascinating. Because what you, we're also getting the best COVID data in the world there too, and have for months now. And I think the reason why is because even though the Tories, the so-called conservative party in the UK are not, they're the, Bill Clinton, 1990s Democrat Party, basically. And then you have the Jeremy Corbyn Labor Party. They're just open, you know, Soviets at this point and anti-Semitic Soviets at that. But I repeat myself. Um, There is this populist rightward flank that mobilized on, you know, like Brexit. And and what's happening is the labor is so out of the mainstream, it can't win a national election in the UK. This is relevant to our situation. I'm going to explain it in a second. They can't win a national election. They're just way outside the mainstream. And so like the left of center 
sane mainstream in the UK is actually occupied by the Tories, by the Conservative Party. They're basically what Tony Blair would have been 15, 20 years ago. That's what Boris Johnson is now. But because they're constantly being pestered by, for lack of a better description, the, the Nigel Farage coalition, that's part, part of their own base, basically, they can't just totally Mitt Romney this thing. They have to actually tell the truth. I was watching Boris Johnson come out and admit high-ranking members of his own administration did not follow COVID rules, issue an apology to the people of the UK. They've been, they've offered us the best COVID data in the world for the last, going on four or five months now. And then they came right out last night, their intelligence did right away with the fact that this was linked to a network of jihadi terror. And I think that is what prompted our FBI because now the center can't hold, right? Like, I don't think they care what we think and that scares me. I want to be wrong about that, but I don't believe they care. I think they hate us, actually. But now when British intelligence is claiming this is jihadist in, in nature and a terrorist attack, that, that center can't hold. They can't maintain that narrative now. And maybe that's a lesson for how we need to act politically here in the United States. Maybe, maybe having some sort of protest movement that on a case-by-case basis decides whether to align with the Tories and then if they, their interests don't align, they don't. But they still need a lot of people that are sympathetic to that protest movement's votes so they can't just run them over. You know what I'm trying to say? They mm-hmm. have to actually share real data and intelligence with them. Maybe, that, maybe there's a lesson there for us on, on our side here, moving forward here in the U.S. But I think that's what caused our FBI to tell the truth last night. Is that the Brits just told the truth right away. To put China's economic growth in perspective at 8.1%, We don't have our fourth quarter GDP numbers yet. In the third quarter, the U.S. economy grew at 2.3%. And I'm not optimistic that the fourth quarter is going to be much better than that when we saw that the retail sale numbers were 1.9% worse than they were a year ago. Okay? So I I don't know that we're going to get some big Christmas boon for the fourth quarter. What's the difference between 8.1% and 2.3% economic growth? 252% difference. That's the difference. Magnify that by a billion people in one country, 330 million in another, and and the fact that these are the two most dominant currencies in the world, that 252%, you know what that means? It means this is the most successful bioweapons program in all of human history. That's what it means. Mission accomplished. That's what it means. That's, That's what it means. Elsewhere, um, the Yokovich thing is, and they, they, they openly said what it was about. They just said it right, right out in the open. They don't want his appearance there to spark resistance. Because he passed all their protocols and he refuses to get jabbed. They're dealing already with mass protests in that country. They don't want him to spark resistance. That's why. Consider 
that Jesse Owens was allowed by the Nazis. There's a lot of talk right now. I saw some Ohio congressman fired a communications director for comparing vax passes to the Third Reich. What's the lie? When we wrote Fauci and Booster, we pointed out that uh, COVID uh, jab mandates, what do they violate? Nuremberg. Nuremberg Code. What's that associated with? Nazis. Nazis, yeah. yeah. What's the lie? Consider, consider that Jesse Owens was allowed while being black to compete for the Aryan, in the Aryan Third Reich-led Olympics under Hitler's watch. But Jokovic, arguably the greatest tennis player that's ever lived, can't play tennis in Australia. How do you like that for some Nazi comparisons? Do you like that one? But Kevin Williamson. Where I'm going yeah, next. Yes. Why does the name Kevin Williamson, other than the fact he um, directed a lot of hit horror films in the late 90s and early 2000s, including uh, he was one of, or write, wrote those films, I should say, including the first screen, actually, which is now back in theaters again because time is a flat circle. Okay. Um, does the name Kevin Williamson, <clears throat> beyond an IMDb page, does it does it ring familiar to you? Yeah. It should. Kevin Williamson, who wrote that trash piece for the National Review, which at this point just is trash. It's not even controlled opposition. I don't even know what it is. If it was controlled opposition, it would be better at this. You know what I'm saying? It's You know what it is? It's worse than controlled. It's simp. Love me, daddy. Respect me, daddy. Don't treat me like those, daddy. It's simp opposition. It's even worse. At least the controlled people are getting a check. National Review's going bankrupt. They're just simps. But Kevin Williamson, just a few years ago, was offered and given a job as a columnist, as a conservative columnist at The Atlantic. I believe, if memory serves, gentlemen, that job lasted exactly one column. Correct? Mm -hmm. If that. It didn't last very long. I know that. And he was fired for violating um, their unwritten thought crimes rule. Correct. And now, Simp Williamson is out writing columns demanding that Jokovic be uh, punished for failing, uh, for violating Australia's thought crimes. I, I just, I don't know why anybody reads that. I don't, I don't know why anybody, I, I certainly hope no one in this, no one in this audience, not a single person subscribes to that, please. That's, that's not even hacktastic. You're just trash. You're just trash. Let me show you what hacktast, hacktastic is. Okay. <laughs> hacktastic is Twitter moments letting me know all weekend long, every time I logged on, that 270 doctors had written a letter to Spotify demanding that they censor Joe Rogan for spreading COVID misinformation. Now, none of these people have the biography of a Peter McCullough, who was arguably the most decorated cardiologist this country's ever produced prior to COVID and is one of the guests here in question. But our friend Jordan Schachtel, because he's just that kind of guy, just so happened to look up the biographies 
of all 270 of these people. And you know what he found? About 100 or less than 40% of them actually had qualified medical degrees. But it's, I think 100 out of 270 is about 38%. 38%. In other words, while urging Spotify to stop what they call the spread of misinformation, they themselves were literal misinformation. They're like misinformation incarnate. Now that's hacktastic. I mean, I, I, I mean that's that's just that's some straight up propaganda right there. That's not what Kevin Williamson is doing, and people like him. When you've suffered, you personally, under the weight of what you're now urging others to suffer, underneath, you're just trash, as a person. That's what you are. When you want others to suffer the fate that you suffered from and therefore should know better, you're just trash. And so that today, kids, in case you were wondering, you wanted to tune in today to the Steve Day Show, and I'm hoping that they'll teach me the difference between what's a trash person and just a complete and total hack. I believe we have now answered that question sufficiently for the audience. Thoughts? Touchdown. Yeah. What happened to that entire line of people there it's not just him it's it's the whole david french you say, what, do you, what do you say what do you concern what do you what you call invincible ignorance is you call spirit of the age what do you say it is it's a cancer yeah yeah what does a cancer do metastasizes yep it spreads yeah yeah you bet bob vanderplatz will join us next All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. Time to tell you again about our wonderful friends over at Built Bar. And because I believe in audience service, servicing the audience, giving the audience what it wants, in advance of this uh, of this commercial, I made sure to test out just one more time from a quality control perspective, Built Bar once again, because you want me on that wall. And frankly, I want me. On that wall. All right. So if you want to try, I can confirm for the uh, 7,415th uh, consecutive time. Bill Bars are still good. The absolute best protein bar of all time, particularly now this time of year, a lot of people thinking about getting over the guilt for how you gorged yourself over the holidays uh, and or how to get healthy once and for all. What do you do with that sweet tooth? Well, Built Bar is your solution. Not loaded with carbs, calories, or sugar, but loaded with plenty of flavor, covered in real chocolate, loaded with protein as well. Uh, Easy on the digestive tract. You can't always say that about protein bars. It's the total package, folks. That's why you want to try it right now. 15% off your order, first or next, whichever is the case. When you use my last name, Dace, as your promo code, D-E-A-C-E, promo code Dace, 15% off your next or first order right now for Built Bar at Built.com. Again, that's Built.com. Let's welcome in, Happy New Year to you, our good friend Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader. Good to see you, brother. How are you? Doing really well. I, for one, am glad you are on that wall. Hey, I'm never going to recommend to the audience something that, uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't try myself, right? And having your name associated with built.com is just, it's just really good. I'm, it fits, I guess what I'm saying. Built.com, Steve Dace. Thank you. So 
This morning, I asked you what you wanted to talk about this week, and normally it's I, I do that with guests because I want to make sure we're talking about the things that you're the most interested in because that way you'll be the most interesting guest, right? And normally it, it, it revolves around what is topically happening right now, uh, culturally or politically. But you told me that you wanted to discuss this week when we talk about, and, and it's been a reoccurring mantra on our show now for several years, and that's revival or bust. That it, 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 over and over again, and I, I mean, I'd even get to in the montage, that editorial from the Salt Lake City Tribune, that the National Guard should be called out to round up all the unjabbed people to detain them. Over and over again, it's very clear there is a, a, a growing segment of this culture that is completely given over to a spirit of the age. And it has no interest in, you, you cannot share a society with it, even if you wanted to. And it is demonstrating repeatedly that if empowered, it has no plans to share it with you. And so there's only a couple of ways out of this. And frankly, I can think of one only peaceful, ultimately, way out of this. And that's why for years on our show, we've talked about the fact revival or bust. Without, a, without the, the sort of great awakenings that gave birth to liberty uh, in America in the first place, we're, we're going to see it lost. Or we're going to uh, see other things that history books say you don't want to see. And we're kind of seeing the opening salvos for that. So, so why did you want to discuss that specifically today? I wanted to talk specifically because, I, first of all, I agree with you. Uh, we're confronting a spirit of the age, and we under, we need to understand who the real enemy is here. Uh, as much as we want to demonize certain political figures or others, the real enemy is this is spiritual warfare. And and we're dealing with, with a spiritual force in, in Satan in regards to, you know, that it is truly revival or bust. And so, Steve, I agree with you that there's a segment of our culture that may be being controlled by the spirit of the age, but also there's a spirit of our culture who a lot of them would embrace the same faith that you and I believe in. But it seems like we're putting our hope into a lot of other things than where our hope should be. And so when I say revival or bust, I completely agree with that. And it's not that we shouldn't worry about the things and confront the other things that are uh, in our culture today, but where is our true hope? And I really believe that for us as believers, for those of us involved in a Christian ministry, for those in a gospel-believing and teaching church, there is only one true hope and only one true way out of this. And I believe that's where you're talking about. It's revival or bust. Okay. So how does that happen? Well, I think what happens is, first of all, we need to understand that revival begins in the house of the Lord. And that means we need... We need teachers from the pulpits preaching unapologetically God's word, the full complement of the gospel, and taking the issues that our culture faces today and threading the needle with God's word and how do we apply God's word. But where is the ultimate hope? As a former uh, high school teacher, high school coach, and a high school principal, it burdens me greatly pains me significantly to see charts and graphs where I'm seeing suicide rates off the charts of young people because we're telling them lies every day about this is going to make you feel better. If your identity of this is this, if you fill this void in your life with this, some temporary earthly solution or, or quite frankly, lie or gimmick, it's not helping. And so I believe that it is the church, it's the body of Christ who has the one true hope. 
and that is in the gospel of Jesus Christ who gives life, and he gives life abundantly now, and he gives freedom now, that we should be the messengers of that hope right now in a culture that's looking for what is truth. When you're talking about the Steve Day Show and your company is Veritas, it's about bringing truth into culture. So what is truth? Where is the true hope? And so when you're talking revival or bust, I think instead of getting tied up all the time, and I love doing these segments, but getting tied up all the time in the earthly part of it, let's remind the audience once in a while, what is revival? What does it look like? And how does it take place? So, okay, right now we don't have that. I mean, if, if we had, if we had churches in mass doing what you're talking about, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in as a society. So that's how, and we can quantify it with all kinds of worldview data and all kinds of other stuff. But ultimately, you know, you know, a tree by its fruit, the proof is in the pudding. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that in mass, we are seeing systemic breakdown on a foundational level as a society is indicative of the fact that the, the instrument, the mechanism in, in a culture that is charged with doing what you're talking about is not doing that. Uh, it's doing other things. And this happened before. I mean, if you look at, you know, that we've talked many times on the show in Western Europe, you'll see that a lot of the old Catholic cathedrals are now mosques or strip sure. malls. Something like 2% of the population in France identifies as evangelical. It's some you know, small single digit number along those lines. So we're just watching that systemic uh, breakdown happen here, right? So then what happens then? If, 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 if churches aren't going to collectively, I shouldn't say churches, the church collectively as an institution is not going to do that first thing that you talked about, then what happens? Well, first of all, I don't think I'd give up. And the thing is, as a leadership standpoint, I would say vision leaks. You have to constantly remind people of vision. Because if you don't remind them of vision, they're going to forget why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same way with pastors and in churches too. Remind them of the vision. Remind them of the responsibility. And even for your listeners are saying, you know what? Okay, so therefore I'm giving up on the church. What are you doing? Are you staying in the word? Are you leading your family? Are you staying in prayer? Are you reviving your marriage? Are you reviving your family? Which is only found in God, or is it in some other mechanism that we're saying we're placing our hope in? But Steve, what we're seeing at the family leader, matter of fact, I'm seeing seeds of revival. I believe everywhere. Now, are we seeing the proof of it yet? I, I'm seeing we're, we're seeing the seeds of it. When you can inspire the church, the Big C Church, and the Big C Church that still believe in God's word to be true, and the gospel of Jesus Christ to be the true freedom that our society longs for, our people long for, and the only true hope that there is, when we take the Big C Church and we start introducing it, inspiring it, invading the institution of government with it, and they see government as a mission field for the pursuit of justice and for righteousness and for the advancement of God's kingdom. Because I think it was Wesley who said, you know, salvation is like 10% grace, but it's 90% law. The law is I need the con- I, I need to be convicted that I need a Savior. Not to say, hey, Todd, you're just doing everything great, you know, even though you're walking down a path of destruction. And so we're starting to see the big C church in Iowa and now 11 other states and soon to be another 15 states 
saying we're we're introducing the church, Big C, to this institution of government, not for the advancement of a party, not for the advancement of a political per- person, but for the revival of this country. Because we believe what you're saying, it's revival or bust. So tangibly, we're seeing it take place. What What do you say to somebody who around the country, uh, my church has been uh, very slow to reopen. Um, uh, it, it, at what point do you just go? At what, what point do you give up on oh, a particular I, congregation? What point do you kick the dust off your sandals? Are there, because I, I also think much like there's a lot of people wasting their time unless they're specifically called to minister in a place like California. All right. If, if California, you should look at that. Like if you, like if, if it's a foreign country. Okay. If, if, unless you're specifically called to missions there, you're wasting your vote, your tax dollars and everything else, subsidizing an open an, an open and hostile, God-hating, pagan democracy. That's mm-hmm. essentially what you're doing. Along the same lines, when does that apply to, why am I still giving this church my time, talent, and treasure when it's just clearly made it obvious it's really not interested in, do, in taking anything that's happening in our world right now seriously. Well, I think the first question you asked, when do we give up? I'd say you don't ever give up. However, what you then added on about a local church that says, you know, we're, we're just not reopening yet. We're not doing this. We think online's good enough. I think I'd go back to Hebrews and say, do not give up on the habit of meeting together. That is first and foremost, is to encourage us, to edify, is to prepare the saints to invade a culture. As a matter of fact, everything out, everything out of, I believe, meeting as a local church, it starts to permeate through. But the problem is today we have a lot of people that I don't need to meet together. I can get that online. I can plug it in my car and I can be driving out. No, it's about getting together. So I would say if your church isn't willing to do that, I'd say first and foremost, see if you can lead the church to reopen and regather and recommit. And if you can't, then I think you're right. Find a church that's doing it because you need that. And so, matter of fact, Steve, um, I think you know Darla and I did that. Mm-hmm. You know, our church was very slow in reopening. We loved the church, but we needed it. we needed it. So we found a church that's reopened and, and it's a vibrant Christian community, and we've been blessed like crazy out of that. But I think we need to plug back into the local church and then inspire that local church in regards to this whole vision of revival begins in the house of the Lord. Do not forget our place in this. So we got a couple of minutes here. What, what what is different about what you're talking about than what was tried in previous generations, whether it was called previous eras, I should say, the religious right or um, things of that nature? What's different about this than um, something like a faith and freedom coalition and what organizations like that are already doing? Well, one is we're not motivated by a particular policy or a particular party or a particular person. Not saying those issues don't matter to us. We're, that's just not our motivation. Our motivation, our inspiration is for the advancement of God's kingdom. We want everything that we do to honor God and then to bless people. Mary, we say all the time in our team meetings, check our heart. Why are you doing this? Is it just to win the issue? Is it just to win the campaign? Is it just to win the debate? Is it to beat up your neighbor versus love your neighbor? If our heart is right, then out of that spurs the wellspring of saying, we're going to stand in the gap for that issue. We're going to stand alongside that particular candidate. 
But what we want, want people to see is that government is a mission field. I do not believe you will get revival in this country just by saying, okay, we're going to focus on the church, the institution of the church. We're going to focus on the institution of the family, but we're going to let government go to hell in a handbasket. It's got to be a systemic deal. And that's why we need the church, the big C church, to invade the arena of government but with the gospel, with the truth of God's word, and that we pursue righteousness and justice together, and we raise up ministers of God. That's why I think it's different. That's why I think God's hand of favor is being on it. Good to see you, brother. Good stuff. Good to see you as well. Stay on that wall. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, you know, in a culture that uh, has increasing sources of misinformation, if there's one thing we've learned over the last couple of years is kind of a lost art in America, it's critical thinking. If you're looking for a tool to help you raise critical thinking and inquisitive children, uh, check out uh, the new Genius Box from Annie's Kid Clubs. Each month, uh, your young scientist will get a new box bursting with hands-on activities for things like geology, chemistry, aerodynamics, and more. Perfect for kids ages 7 to 12. The Genius Box empowers your kids' imagination and critical thinking skills. And they've got the exciting top-secret mission envelope in every box They'll walk you through amazing projects each month. So if, if, you, if, you're, if you and your kids want to discover how to build robots, examine fossils, et cetera, so much more, introduce your kids to critical thinking at annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. 50% off your first box when you go there to get started at Annie's, A-N-N-I-E-S, Annie's Kit Clubs, plural, annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. Todd, Aaron, any thoughts on the conversation that uh, Bob and I just had? You know, I'm big on what Bob said at the end there about uh, the church needing to, without apology, invade that space of government, because that's my point about public schools. There's way too many conservative Christians who just say, run away from them, get away from them. That's where they create their army. You cannot... I mean, you've got to put in a lot of work where you for, forsake those lands and think you have a chance on the same playing field. You need to change the paradigm. You need to change the rules. You need to change the playing field. And you can't do that if you just let them go their own way and you go yours. That's not our commandment from the Lord. You know, ended last week talking about these really crazy um, polar opposite instincts where on the one hand, there's a pretty decent chance, pretty decent chance that at least a good chunk of Roe v. Wade could be rolled back here in the next couple of months. While on the other hand, we've got tranny madness and critical racist theory seemingly running amok in some of these schools that you're talking about. But on the other hand, again, you've got a seemingly a, 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 a flashpoint, if not more, of parents who are waking up to these types of things as well. All of that is to say, I'm simultaneously the most pessimistic about our culture, and at the same time, I'm thinking, you know what, there could be some signs of revival here at the same time. And that's, you know what, that's a good place to be in, because then we, it's, 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 it's time for us to fight like it's up to us, pray like it is, uh, it's up to God, because that's, I think, the best place to be in. When we come back, an update on the lawsuit that you guys helped to fund and more, plus our Ask Me Anything when we return here for Hour 2. Stay tuned.
And greetings back with our two live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am your Omicron recovered host, Steve Dace. Voice not 100% back yet, but fevers, fatigue, congestion, all that stuff is gone. So I'm feeling great other than voice is still trying to catch back up. He's Todd Erzin. If anything, I might sound more like you now, right? A little bit more like you. Vinegary. Yeah, a little vinegary. Yeah. Aaron McIntyre, of course, makes us possible to uh, be seen and heard by a lot of people who would prefer not to see nor hear us. If you would like to let us know what you think about what we think, you can email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, or just go to places where they don't try to censor us, please. Me, we parlor and uh, gab. Look for Steve Dace there. <clears throat> Pardon me. Look for Steve Dace Show. You can follow me there on Getter. Speaking of which, Getter will be taking center stage here later in this hour with our Monday Town Hall Ask Me Anything edition. We haven't done one of these in quite a while, so looking forward to seeing what kind of snotty questions you all have lined up for us here in just a little bit. But first, I want to bring back good friend of the show, uh, Brian Festa, over at wethepatriotsusa.org. Again, wethepatriotsusa.org. Belated Happy New Year to you, Brian. How are you? Happy New Year, Steve. I also am Omicron recovered, so hopefully my voice is okay. Well, good. You sound a lot better than I do, I think. But uh, So first and foremost, I want to get an update. Uh, we announced last fall that we wanted to file a federal lawsuit against Walmart for its denial of COVID-prescribed uh, treatments for a good friend of mine, a decorated retired Marine, named, former U.S. Senate candidate named Bill Salier. And I think we raised the money for that lawsuit out of this uh, audience in about 10 minutes. Uh, or, or That's a slight exaggeration, but it did not take very long. It was quick. We, we have an update on, especially now that we're, there's a massive study, I just tweeted it during the break, uh, that shows how much a lack of early treatment for COVID has contributed to the overall COVID death rate here in the United States. And vis-a-vis, that would mean pretty much everywhere in the world at that point. So along those lines, what's the update on this lawsuit? So we are pleased to announce that just last Thursday night, uh, late last Thursday night, we filed the federal complaint uh, in federal court uh, in Minnesota. Uh, Bill and his wife are both plaintiffs, and we filed that against Walmart and Hy-Vee supermarkets because they were also involved hmm. in this atrocity. Uh, absolutely disgraceful. As you said, uh, a, a brave American hero. He served this country honorably in Somalia, as well as at Camp David. And to have him denied, have anyone denied, but especially someone who's given so much of his own life, personal sacrifice for this country, uh, to have him denied when he was quickly deteriorating. If you read the complaint, and it is uh, as I speak, being posted to our website, because I wanted to break the news here, but I'm having our webmaster post it right now. So you'll be able to see that in a minute or two and actually read the complaint. But if you read through the complaint, it's heartbreaking. I mean, he was deteriorating to the point where his life was in danger. And you have some pharmacist with a God complex come in in between the doctor-patient relationship and say no, and actually hung up on his doctor too and said, no, we're not prescribing this to you. Well, uh, they're going to be uh, in for a rude awakening when they meet with our attorneys in court very shortly. 
I wish this was an isolated case, but this there's there's been way, way, way too much of this. And I've had some people say to me, well, are we sure we want to go after the idea that pharmacists uh, don't have a conscience? Because what about things like RU486 or abortifacients and things of that nature? And I always respond with, there needs to be a uniform standard here, okay? Because right now, what we're so either they have a, either they have so then then pharmacists ought to then be able to that want to prescribe this ought to be able to and not stopped by a, a state regulatory board or things of that nature to do it. What we've got right now is the worst of both worlds, where on one front they get to do it, but only if it's to the denial of a treatment, not to actually grant it. So which is it? Do the do the pharmacists have conscience rights or not? If they do, then it ought to work both ways. Otherwise, it's not a conscience right you are specifically denying treatments that have proven to be effective to, for people in saving lives right and this was clearly not a conscience-based objection i mean anybody can see that on its face this was political let's just call it what it is this was clearly clearly political there is absolutely no evidence of any adverse serious adverse uh reactions from ivermectin you'll see that in the complaint we have an outline that of all the you know hundreds of thousands of people that have used this, um, I think it was something like 48 adverse reactions were reported. It's, it's safer than Tylenol. Yeah. Safer, safer than Tylenol, than ibuprofen even. I, I mean, this is an extremely, extremely safe treatment. Uh, the uh, treatment itself uh, was uh, the... The, the winner, as, as you know, a Nobel Prize winner in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to and it's been used to treat malaria. I mean, this is there is no evidence whatsoever that it's unsafe t- uh, to treat COVID. And as you say, the latest evidence, and we have this detailed in our complaint as well, shows that there's significant benefits and that this is effective at treated, treating COVID, especially when it's early intervention use. And Bill was denied that. Bill was denied that early intervention, even though his doctor wanted to step in. This pharmacist made it so that it was delayed even longer than it had to be. And again, that there needs to be accountability for that. That's what we're here to do is to say that you cannot do this. All right. In this country, if a doctor prescribes something for his or her patient and it's in that doctor's professional judgment that this is what this patient needs to save his life. There is no reason in the world that a pharmacist should be able to get in the middle of that. And if there were a conscious objection, then he could have said that, but he didn't. He didn't. What did he do? Right. He just hung up the phone. Yep. And could have supplied an alternative. That's the other difference. Abortifacients and RU486s don't save any lives. They just take them. That's the difference. Those aren't life-saving treatments. These things that are being denied with COVID actually are. So again, Brian, if if our audience wants to look at the complaint that they filed or that they funded, I should say, that you guys filed and follow this case, where do they need to go? And I'll I'll post a link to all of this on all of my socials later today as well. Sure. Thanks, Steve. So it's wethepatriotsusa.org. There'll be a post up there. If it's not already up there, it'll be up there momentarily that gives an update about this filing and also has a link embedded where you can just click on that link and read the entire complaint that was filed. I want to thank uh, the brilliant work of our attorneys, Cameron Atkinson, Norm Pattis, and uh, Marjorie Holston from Minnesota, who's serving as local counsel. All right, let's switch gears here because you guys, um, especially in light of, I guess we'll call it the half win at the Supreme Court on Friday, 
real quick on that, uh, I think it needs to be stressed to people that the, the 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 battle over the CMS mandate is not completely finished yet. The court is just right. allowing it to to take uh, hold, but it's that case is actually still being adjudicated. Correct. Correct. And we were involved in that Supreme Court uh, hearing in that we filed an amicus brief at the United States Supreme Court. For those who don't know, an amicus brief is friend of the court. So if you're not a party to the case, you can still weigh in on it. And so we filed a very extensive brief asserting uh, arguments for individual rights that really hadn't been developed, we thought, in the uh, principal parties briefs. And uh, the court, you know, looked at all the briefings and we think they made the right decision on the OSHA mandate, the wrong decision on the CMS mandate. We're still going to fight that. We have a New York healthcare workers case against the state of New York that was at the Supreme Court and is now uh, back at the district court. But we expect to have it back at the Supreme Court very shortly, which will uh, directly address the issue of religious freedom for healthcare workers uh, and the the right to opt out. Because right now in, in several states, including the state of New York, they don't have the option to request an exemption. At least the Biden mandates actually do give the option to request an exemption, but not, but with healthcare workers, um, you know, that's not even an option in, in many states. So literally the people in charge of, of healthcare are the only people being told they can't be in charge of their own healthcare. Makes perfect sense. And and right now, if you are sick but jabbed, you can work. If you're healthy and unjabbed, you cannot. That's That also makes a lot of sense. Right. As you heard, probably Governor DeSantis was saying this in his press conference the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes absolutely no sense. You know, I have uh, a lot of friends and even family in, in health care and uh, those who have opted out are saying, are, are you serious now? Now the CDC is telling us that if I'm sick, but I've I've gotten the shot, I can work with patients like somehow. Where is the evidence, Steve? Show me where is the evidence that says that a person who's been jabbed is less of a risk to someone if they get COVID, that they can't transmit it to someone as easily as someone. There who isn't hasn't. there isn't any, particularly with the current strain that is now dominant across the country of Omicron. There there wasn't much pre Omicron. There's absolutely zero, in fact, right now. So, exactly. yeah. All right, let's switch gears because you guys are also now expanding horizons to take on Wokistan. And if, and a lot of our audience is going to remember the story that occurred in Loudoun County, Virginia last fall. We've talked a lot about it on our show. Uh, Luke Rosiak at The Daily Wire, maybe the finest piece of impactful journalism that was done in America last year is when he blew the, the doors off of what was really going on in the Loudoun County School District with uh, gender identity and uh, gender madness and sexual assault. And it played, I don't think, a not insignificant role in the fact that Glenn Youngkin was inaugurated as the new governor of Virginia over the weekend, okay? Um, But this is not just a, a matter specific to Loudoun County, Virginia, that there are similar thinking school educrats all over the country trying to implement a lot of the same kinds of policies that sadly have the same disregard for the safety of our daughters. And between Todd and I, we've got uh, six of those. So we're pretty interested in this case. And I've got one too. Yeah, we're going to introduce the audience to Danielle Scarpolino here in a moment. But tell us about about this case and, and why you guys got on board with it. So we were contacted by a group of parents from Guilford, Connecticut, uh, we, the Patriots USA, as some of you may know, it is incorporated, is based out of Connecticut, and uh, we have a group of parents in our backyard that said, 
uh, well, when they told us what had been going on, we almost couldn't believe it. Um, again, you hear it in the news, uh, places like Loudoun County, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised that it's happening in a place like Connecticut. Uh, but this group of parents had voiced opposition to critical race theory being taught in their schools, in their children's schools, and didn't want it in their schools and didn't want their children being indoctrinated in this way. And the response they got, and I'll let Danielle tell the story, the response they got from school administration and from the Board of Education was just mind-blowing. Uh, and in, in the 21st century, coming from people that uh, claim to be, self-proclaim, uh, to be uh, tolerant, to be all about diversity, equity, inclusion. You hear all of those buzzwords all the time, but to hear some of the things they said about people of a certain skin color, mainly being white people, was just absolutely, uh, just like I said, mind blowing. And then what happened to them was even worse. What happened to them and particularly what happened to the children simply because they spoke out, we intend to fight back in a very big way. And again, we'll talk about that in a minute after Danielle tells her story, but we, the PatriotsUSA.org, uh, we're fundraising for this case and uh, we intend to really make them pay for what they've done because it's absolutely, uh, it, it, it should not be happening anywhere, uh, but especially to children, especially in a school, in a public school that what took place here just I, I i i'm i'm out of words you can say it's it's hard to get me speechless because i'm someone that everybody knows it's hard to get me to shut up usually but when i hear this story i'm just i'm so upset i'm so angry and i want danielle to tell her story danielle my name is steve dace welcome uh, to the program we have her on the phone lines right now and we'll just open uh, the floor to you danielle tell us your story thank you so much for having me steve um so my fight for our my children and all of the children in Guilford started back in September of 2020 when our superintendent sent an email to the entire school district. And in that email was some really outrageous, extreme, um, progressive ideology, some um, highly offensive political messaging. Um, it, it, I thought this, this might be a mistake. So I immediately contacted the superintendent and arranged to have a conversation about it. And the conversation left me more confused, more frightened, more disturbed. And um, asked, I asked him for a follow-up meeting and he agreed to it. And by the time I got home, the follow-up meeting was abruptly and rudely canceled. And I was told I would not be able to meet with him again. So what occurred in this meeting was uh, he revealed that his goal for the last three years was to elevate Guilford on its whiteness. Um, I asked him, does this new curriculum and this new goal of yours include the 1619 Project and Critical Race Theory? And he said it has the same approach. Uh, he mentioned that he purchased How to Be an Anti-Racist, hmm. the book. Uh, he purchased $6,000 worth of the book and distributed it to every teacher and administrator in the district, which is approximately 300 and including kindergarten. So kindergarten through 12. Um, and again, just kept saying to him, you know, this is this is political. This is some this is some seriously political ideology that you're now bringing into the schools. And I can assure you, uh, there's many of us that won't tolerate this. After that meeting, um, and then my meeting was canceled. We started a petition, and um, there were two petitions. One was to have Paul Freeman 
resigned. We wanted his resignation and also to stop any of the tenants of critical race theory. Well, this this started a war, obviously, in our small town, and it led to us being mocked, ignored. Um, we were called everything from racist to KKK to monsters. Um, ultimately, we decided there's there's no other route but to run for uh, members of the Board of Education, and, and maybe we can affect change through there. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we, we ousted successfully the three incumbents, but we in the general election, we lost. So we, of course, we're not going to give up our fight. These are This is our, our children that we're fighting for. So we continue to discuss it. We continue to see how we're going to go uh, about, you know, making sure that this doesn't continue through our schools. I received a text about two weeks ago from my son, who is a seventh grader. And I said, mom, I'm having a bad day. And I, I generally don't get texts like this. So I immediately tried to reach out to him and I didn't hear from him. So I assumed, okay, maybe things are going better. When I picked him up, um, he told me a story. Uh, uh, basically it was sexual assault that occurred in the school. My first reaction was to drive straight to the police station. However, I had three other children in the car with me. I I, uh, I went home, I calmed myself down, I reached out to the administration, I let them know exactly in very graphic detail what happened to my son. Um, they called me in, so there was a meeting. I saw it on video, they captured the assault on video. They assured me that it was in their hands and they would take care of this and it would get handled through the, through the appropriate channels. The next day, um, I realized I, I, I wanted to follow through. I went to the police station. I was going to follow a report. I got a phone call from the administration. I said, have you done your um, due diligence and filed a report? You're a mandated reporter. Have you filed the report? And the answer was, do you want us to? So at that point, I realized they missed the 12-hour deadline of mandating reporting. Mm-hmm. So right there, they, they, they violated the policy. Um, and then, uh, make a long story short, I hadn't heard from DCF like I'm supposed to. So I asked for a copy of the, the um, report that was filed. I was told I had to get it directly through DCF. So I went through DCF. I got the report. The report was falsified. It omitted the very facts that would have made it a crime, the very facts that would have made it sexual assault. Um, but they did include my son's race and my son's gender. And when I realized the report was completely inaccurate and whitewashed, I saw at the bottom that DCF had rejected the, the, the record and they were not going to investigate. So the promise of having it be handled properly and through the proper channels was all a lie. And um, I have every intention of, of holding them accountable for violating my son's civil rights. Um, I might add that the, the the information that was included was again my son's um, race and his gender, so they found that important to include, but not the actual crime itself. And they they showed you the surveillance video of the incident. Yes, I saw the video. I saw my son react in pain. Uh, looked like he had been tased. His body jerked back. My son cried hysterically. He's a tough boy. These were in front of his friends. He was humiliated. He was outraged. He ran into the bathroom, stayed there for about a half an hour, cried. Um, they saw it. They, I told them this was sexual assault. They agreed it was sexual assault. Um, they agreed that this is outrageous. This should never occur. And they reported it as um, like roughhousing, like boys just being boys, which is a complete lie. 
I don't, I don't, uh, how did they think they were going to get away with this after they showed you the surveillance tape? This will be my opinion. Um, I believe that Guilford has been operating under a directive from the top, from the Board of Education, from the superintendent, not to report. Uh, they, they do things through phone calls. They do things through in-person meetings. That provides no record. So if the public wants a record mm-hmm. of any of this, there is none. I believe they have gotten away with it for so long. Our superintendent has been here for 10 years. I think this is a well-oiled machine. Uh, I don't think they've ever encountered a parent like me or a parent like the five of us that are fighting them. Uh, I think that they really have, like I said, streamlined this um, corrupt and um, dishonest way of portraying our schools as these blue ribbon schools that are just, you know, perfect for every family, inclusive, um, you know, all of the wonderful buzzwords that you hear. This is how they've managed to get to that status. Just heartbreaking, first of all, as a parent myself, to hear what has happened to you and your family. Um, Thank you. Just, I'm I'm so sorry. Um, Thank you. Brian, let's bring you back in here on the conversation. So, um, I don't even know what to say, frankly. <laughs> I mean, they, they showed her the video. I don't know how they thought they were going to get around to this. There's video of the incident. I, I just... This is either mass stupidity or they believe they, as Don said, they systemically have control of a process to avoid uh, bad publicity and reporting and to and to maintain a narrative. Boy, have we seen that in another venue or arena here in the last 23 months? Can you think of where they think they can avoid the obvious data because they have control over the flow of the narrative and the information? So this is now where uh, where maybe our audience comes in. If if you want to support um, Dawn and her family's effort to get justice here uh, and to send another resounding message to uh, not just this school board, but school boards across the country that uh, parents are not going to get run over anymore. Uh, you can make a tax deductible donation. I've donated um, to we the Patriots USA.org a few times myself. So I wouldn't ask you guys to do something I have not done myself. We the PatriotsUSA.org. That's a tax deductible gift that you can give right now to help uh, fund uh, Don's effort to get justice in a case that, not just like the Virginia case, but, but much like the Virginia case, could also uh, raise the hackles and awareness of what's going on in our schools on a nationwide level. Brian, you want to add to that? Yes, certainly. Thank you. Um, it, it is heartbreaking. I, I have a daughter myself, um, as as well as a son, and I've to- talked about uh, my children before. And and this is, um, you know, this this fight. You know, everything that that we're involved in, a lot of it is very personal for me. Um, you know, even the medical freedom litigation that we take up. My son is is vaccine injured. We've talked about this before. Um, but you know, as a parent to have to hear that story, uh, it's, it's infuriating. It's not just heartbreaking. Uh, it leaves you speechless, but it's also infuriating. And it's pretty clear to me that this was tied to her activities. Uh, you know, their failure to act was tied to her activities and speaking out against critical race theory. Uh, These parents that spoke out, um, she didn't tell you the, uh, you know, about what happened to another child of one of these other parents who was beaten up on a football field, right, Danielle? 
was actually beaten up on a football field while, uh, just to my understanding, as it's been related to me, and again, I didn't witness it, but as it's been related to me, as the coaches just stood on and, and let it happen. These students have been labeled as, uh, you know, pariahs. Uh, they're, they're outcasts in the school system because they oppose critical race theory uh, to the point where not only the parents are being retaliated against, but the children. Now it's being taken out on the children. And this is what I mean when I say we need to make them pay for this uh, in court, in a court of law, obviously. We need to hold them accountable is what I mean. Uh, this is against the law. What they've done to cover this up, it doesn't just violate policy. Daniel mentioned policy, uh, reporting it to DCF or law enforcement within 12 hours. That's actually a law in Connecticut. And it's actually a crime not to report it within 12 hours. So this is very, very serious, folks. This this moves beyond just uh, mere oppression or retaliation for free speech. This is actually moving into the area of, you know, covering up a mm -hmm. crime that happened in the school, the sexual assault of a child, the physical assault of another child, and letting this go and turning a blind eye simply because these parents don't want racism in their schools. And this is true racism. When you're told that just because of the color of the skin that you were born with, that you're somehow responsible for the atrocities uh, that have happened over the course of the last 400 years, which is completely ludicrous. Okay. Obviously, none of these students had anything to do do with any of that. Um, most of their ancestors didn't even live in this country at the time uh, when slavery was going on. Okay. And that now we have to pay reparations and, and, and that we are, we have to recognize that we have this guilt, that we are the oppressors because we're white or because we're male or both or, or, or Christian even uh, that we have to somehow be held accountable for that. Uh, and that, that we have to carry with us this, this sense of guilt uh, it's just absolutely ridiculous and beyond ridiculous. It's outrageous. We will not have this happen in our school systems. We will not allow this. We're going to push back. If you're listening right now and this has happened in your school system, we want you not only to donate to this case, but also to donate to our organization because we have a lot of other uh, people that that want to fight back against this. And if you're one of them, if you're a parent and your child has been exposed to this, has been indoctrinated, and you've opposed it, and you've been met with opposition or retaliation because you've spoken out against this kind of bigotry in our public schools, we want you to contact us so that we can take on your case possibly as well. We the WeThePatriotsUSA.org is where you can go to contact them, also to make a tax-deductible donation to Danielle's case and for other cases like this and ongoing pushback against COVID stand tyranny as well. Daniel, God bless you. And and please, Daniel, keep us up to date on what's going on with your story. And we'll see if we can't maybe raise some awareness about what's going on in your school district. OK. Thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate it. You bet. God bless you. And then, Brian, same to you, brother. All right. Take care. Take care. I don't even know what to say to that other than uh, you'd all be raising bail money if it was me. I'll tell you that right now. OK. Amen. And they may not even offer me it. Okay. I, I just, I don't even know what to say. I just, so somebody else say something. Well, this is why, like I said, it, it's one thing when Steve says, it, you know, if things are bad enough, you, you just need to leave. But if you stay, you have to fight. And you over there in her neck of the woods, you need to fight for her as if that's your child. Otherwise, they are coming for your child. You have no choice if you live in that 
backyard right there. You either fight or you leave. But sitting passively by is a assured road to hell. I promise you that. That's why I, I'm all for homeschooling. If, if I had the option right now, and if we were in that position, would probably homeschool uh, Ben. At the same time, though, I the, the whole just completely abandon the public schools thing. What about Danielle and her situation? Who's going to advocate for, for him and for her? Who's going to do that? That's you. That, that's you and me. We still can't leave all of those all of those kids uh, behind. Not to uh, borrow a, a certain uh, a certain um, a moniker from from the last decade, but um, this is where this is where the battle really is. And, and we're not even talking about um, just political battles here. This is where the spiritual battle is. If that the last year hasn't illustrated anything else to you, Loudoun County stories like this. There is a true, uh, true battle of principalities and powers mm-hmm. going on right down the street. The yep. physical manifestations are horrifying. Again, if you want to make a tax-deductible donation to fight this fight with We the Patriots USA, just go to WeThePatriotsUSA.org. Make that donation today. WeThePatriotsUSA.org. Back with an Ask Me Anything next. Once more, if you want to donate, uh, make a tax-deductible donation to Danielle's family lawsuit against her Connecticut school district, trying to allegedly cover up her son's sexual uh, harassment assault, uh, not to mention uh, continued uh, attempt to indoctrinate the children with, uh, with critical racist theory. Don't think those two things are separate. They're not, like we saw in Loudoun County, Virginia. The same impulse and worldview driving one drives the other. WeThePatriotsUSA.org is where you can go to make that tax-deductible donation at WeThePatriotsUSA.org. All right, let's transition now to our very first ever Monday Town Hall Ask Me Anything for 2022. And congratulations to our followers over at Getter. You guys, uh, we we gave you a chance uh, to take total control of this segment, and we got a tremendous response from our following at Steve Day Show on Getter G E T T R. I don't know. I I just looked at the volume. I don't know if the questions themselves are good, but the volume of questions we got, I saw, was very good. So you guys know the procedure by now. Todd will select those blindly. I've not seen these ahead of time, and Aaron, you may begin firing when ready. We'll start with Chin Full of Win, who says, thought experiment. Let's say conservatives win back America. And he says, win back in air quotes. Uh, what countries are left in the world that would be our allies? Who would come to our aid when the left and the new world order are convinced that we're now the next iteration of Hitler invading Poland? It's clear the West has given themselves over completely to the spirit of the age and would not come to our aid are conservatives now the equivalent of Rohan, and this is uh, Helm's deep scenario? Sure starting to feel that way. Finally, if all of the above is true, who or what is our Frodo and Sam? Wow. That is a heck of a question. And 
Could uh, be the only one you answer yeah. to. <laughs> you, yeah, that's a whole show. This question is, and you had me at your very first Lord of the Rings reference, let alone the uh, the other ones you threw in. Um, and and you're asking me something, frankly, I had not considered. And as I was thinking about it for the first time ever, when you asked, if we truly, basically what you're asking is, if we truly had revival in America, who would our natural allies in the world be? I don't know. Um, maybe you might find those in places now. I I think maybe looking at some of the leadership in places like some of the former Eastern Bloc countries. Um, Israel would still need us for sure, um, militarily, if nothing else. But it's a it's a poignant and difficult analogy you're making. Poignant in that I think it absolutely hammers home what's happening to the world on a global scale. And again, it's why I spent a lot of time last summer alone at night watching end times videos on YouTube. But then also difficult in accepting the reality of what you're asking. In many respects, it would be, so, I, I, I'm guessing it would be probably similar to what it was like in the late 18th century. When here we've got this nascent country over here, throwing off the shackles of the, of the, the empire the sun never sets upon and calling itself a constitutional republic, and there had really never been one in all of human history. And then there's the rest of the world, which is a mishmash and hodgepodge of various forms of authoritarianism, right? Now, the difference was the world wasn't as interconnected globally from a socioeconomic and cultural and, and pop culture media standpoint like it is now. And, and that generation, by the way, was totally fine being isolated from all that other stuff. They loved it, actually. That level of isolation just isn't an option because of the interconnectedness of the world today. So basically, the, the shortest answer I could give you is this would be the second time ever, that the, the, the second time now in the history of the U.S. that we would be on our own, that, that we would essentially be an outlier for the trajectory and, and, and traditional arc of human history. Great question. Eric B. wants to know, now that hospitals are allowing COVID-positive workers, and I believe symptomatic workers as well, to come to work, mm -hmm. does that then undermine their justification for terminating unvaccinated employees, thus opening the door to unlawful termination lawsuits? Yes, if in a sane world it would. And here's the thing, it only takes one favorable federal court, or if it's, if it's just a local health apparatus, a state court, it just takes one to set that kind of a precedent to kind of get this thing going. I mean, if you think back to the time of Roe versus Wade, much of America was not fixated on this case going on in Texas. Ask somebody in Georgia, Mississippi, Montana, California. Hey, what do you think about that abortion case in Texas? They're like, we don't even know what the hell you're talking about. And it probably wasn't even really until the morning after the verdict was read in January of 1973 that they began to pay attention to it. 
So it only takes one case like that, one precedent like that, to completely alter the direction of a paradigm. But then you have to um, you have to understand. Is it Dreer? That's how Rod's last name is pronounced, I believe, right? It's yeah, Rod I think Dreer. So. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think he wrote the Benedict Option book that we yes, talked about did. a few years ago, and then he wrote a book last year that several of you have recommended. Uh, Live not by lies, I think, is what it's titled. Correct. Yeah. Well, in between those two books, Rod has become a complete and I mean, completely given over to this spirit of COVIDism. Fair? Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of odd. But, uh, the Benedict option completely defy the, 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 you know, the expert paradigm. This live not by lies. And in between, let me just completely, you know, accept the narrative of COVID Stan. That just seems odd. But you know what? We're fallen beings. You know, follow me around all day long and or or or, um, you know, tinker around in, in, in every recess and corner of my brain all day long. And you're like, how did you do that or how did you think that and then go on the air and believe blank? That's the complexity of being a human being in a sinful human being in a fallen world. Right. Yep. But one of the things I saw him tweet today and I responded to it because I respect his work. I've largely just chosen I've really tried not to go after people who pre-COVID proved to be sane. Does that make sense? Or, or not just sane, but prescient, articulate, eloquent, discerning, maybe is even a better word. Okay? Um, unless they come at me, then I'll come back. But I've, I've really not... People that, chose to, that, that showed that they had some level of discernment pre-COVID. I've, I've just not spent a lot of time if they've given into this spirit, asking them, where did your brains go? Okay. Because again, this could have happened to any of us. And frankly, if it weren't, I can't sit here and tell you that if I had not, if I had not been honest with myself about what had transpired with Russian collusion and Brett Kavanaugh and the events leading up to COVID that I would at the very, at least at the outset might not have gone down the exact say, guys, they wouldn't lie about all this. You know, I I can't say that I would not. So therefore, by the grace of God, go I, right? Yep. But I did see Rod tweet today something that I did decide to respond to. He tweeted out, hey, my wife and I fully boosted, jabbed. I mean, now we're all sick. We've all got Omicron. What is the point of jab passports? And I responded back to him the same point they had all along because this was never about health. It's been about power and control. The hospital administrators, these folks run massive networks. If it's like Mayo, the Cleveland Clinic. I mean, these are, I mean, these are two of the largest health systems in the world, not just in the United States. Two of the most respected. The people running these systems are not stupid. They are well aware of the juxtaposition, the the in, the incongruent juxtaposition they're drawing here. You can be sick with symptoms but jabbed and come to work totally healthy without symptoms and unjabbed and you can't. They know this, right? With all due respect, um, you know, Jenny from around the block, Steve from Grand Rapids Community College, that's me, and uh, Dale and his other brother Dale from Schenectady emailing the show we didn't break any ground. We didn't break news to these administrations. You know what I'm saying? They, they know what they're doing full well. So why do they do these things? For the same reason they've done everything else. 
because it's about power and control. That's what it's about. Power and control. It's not about data or any of these other things. Now, we still seek out that that objective truth so that we can help people like Rod Dreher free them from the sort of spirit of fear. But but there's there's not a single member of the executive food chain at, at any of these medical systems who are like, oh, snap, man. You're right. That's just so dumb. We shouldn't be doing that. No. The Puritans thought that. They took their grievances to the Church of England, to the king. They thought, you know, maybe they just don't know. Ten minutes later, they're on a rickety boat, risking all their lives of their wives and their kids, getting the hell out of uh, Dodge. Cause, oh, yeah, they, they do know. In fact, it's not, a, it's not a bug, it's a feature. This is on purpose. John Bunyan didn't stay in a cell for 17 years or whatever it was, writing Pilgrim's Progress, because he's like, you know, they were going to let me out here after 60 days, but I just really creatively, I just really feel this place. No, 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 guys. There's nothing new under the sun. They know what they're doing. And they're going to do it anyway. Because that's what Romans 1 in the end, that's what it means. They know what they're doing. And they're just going to do it anyway. Next question. We the People says, are you surprised as I am that Trump spoke for 94 minutes and didn't say the word vaccine, unless I missed it, once? I'm guessing he finally listened to someone who had a pulse on his base. Yes, I am pleasantly surprised. One of my little birdies in Trump world told me that he was stunned last week to see the amount of pushback within his own staff. And that apparently even one person went to him and said, do you even know what Don Jr. is even tweeting? Do you, do you have a clue what your own children are tweeting? He was stunned to see the amount of pushback from within his own, uh, from elements within his own staff, his own support group. How many of them were not only either not jabbed or not boosted, maybe went for it once and then like, I'm not falling for the banana on my tailpipe again. So there's the, you know, there's a proverb, bad company corrupts good character, right? So there was, there was Donald Trump with Bill O'Reilly, who doesn't, you don't get any more pukish establishmentarian. Bill O'Reilly is another Kevin Williamson. Same dude, same energy. So if, if you're around that enough, that cancer is going to metastasize, yeah. right? Or you can go around your base. Moral of the story, dude needs to spend a lot more time around his base and a lot less time on the road with pukes like O'Reilly. Uh, let's see. One more. If the email will actually load for me. Let's go back to uh, Sheep Lady 70 Do you ultimately agree with Glenn Beck that the why part of this hell is the great reset? If not, what's your take? Um, yes, I, I, I don't, I think that there could be different definitions of that, but I think it, and I've said on this show for months now, at a minimum, the end of Western civilization is on the table here. To me, those are the lowest stakes we're playing for. And that, that's, that's what a great reset believes they're doing. 
is they're undoing Western civilization to usher in some form of a Chinese style social credit system of authoritarianism where your sporting events and all your fun stuff continues so that you remain distracted by that and put up with us telling you how to run your life. That's, that's the, that's the bare minimum stakes we're playing for. And I absolutely think that it is possible that, as I said, as I said to a friend of mine in a text the other day, you're, this is either about the end of Western civilization or the end of days. I don't think it's about anything less than that. Gentlemen, any final thoughts on the show here today? Well, uh, we weren't tepid coming back on a Monday. uh, That's for sure. Uh, Sorry uh, I missed out on uh, Friday. I'm really looking forward to getting all the way back uh, to that roundtable. How'd Tim do? Was it made, did it great, make for some laughs? We got a ton of good feedback about Friday's roundtable, actually. That's good um, to hear. With both Tim and Shannon together, yes. Excellent. Yeah, uh, you know, going going back to uh, the conversation we had in, in the last segment, you know, it, it harkens back to the very first segment of the show this year. Um, there's... There's... Uh, there's real and then there's fake. That's really all this comes down comes down to. I feel like we're back in like I don't know 2017, 20, 2017 cheese its versus steak. A lot of people, I'm encouraged by this. A lot of people, I believe, who have been wearing our jerseys for a long time are finally waking up and choosing steak. But these are what we're playing for. This is as real as it gets, folks. Real people's lives being affected, being impacted, and in some cases being destroyed or or altered permanently because of because of politics, because uh, we've let our political and our and our culture be so dominated by the spirit of the age that it infests every level, every level of uh, of society. And when that happens, there will be victims. There will be victims. Whether it's uh, on the COVID front, denying treatment. Whether it's on the school front with the just the cra- crazy, craven, LGBTQ, rainbow jihad. There are always victims. Remember that. And then it'll become a lot more real to you what the stakes are that we're playing for. All right, for the overtime, we're going to record that right now for Blaze TV subscribers to be uploaded later today, that Rasmussen poll. I'm going to explain to you why it's even worse than you think it is, actually. For the rest of you, we are back editing tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.